0: for joining me today. This is a <laughs> I have four shows that magic number four that started getting uploaded yesterday and today. And in the middle of all of that I deleted a show or so. I won't get into all the administration thing, but just take a look at all the shows I've written and produced and I have to work with job site people and when things start going wrong, boy they went wrong. So anyway, so yeah files started getting converted, and you know, so, I don't know if I, this one had posted for a while and then got deleted, well, too much to worry about, the fact is, is you always have to look down the road to the happy side of the street, right, and um, we're here, right, got the three done last night, this should be number four, Um, and um, I'll add a couple things for information here, because um, I am going to be doing some work posting it on my website psychopathinyourlife.com, setting up a new section called blog B L O G, and give me give me a while, <laughs> give me a few days to get over there, um, because my the first blog I intend to write to share with you is about radiation, and I've spoken about radiation in the past, so you might update yourself on the show I did about radiation. Okay, and what I'd like to share with you is this. Um, You know they haven't done any studies about smart boxes and radiation in our homes. surprise surprise and if you've known me for any number of time you might realize that I like to do research so I'm not in the blind as far as what I now know what's going on as far as what radiation is happening in our homes from these smart boxes and because they haven't done any any radiation studies subject. Well, is my house getting radiation by an accident? I don't know. I had a call (laughs) and the utility people came by my house and adjusted my meter and I can trace back to about when this stuff got started. So yeah, what I'd like to share with you is this. My motivation for sharing these pictures, because remember this, I never mentioned this, but I haven't been on camera since um, episode number 142 was my last time on Because of all this stuff, right? And I've never, I never—I look at people like Prince Philip, you know, when he was tottering around the very end, and I thought, well, why do those people still go on camera when they look like hell? So the more I look like hell, I just decided to stay off the of camera. That was all. So it, it's been a—it's been a process, right? So anyway, but that my concern early on, in at the early it was early 2020, was when I stopped going on camera felt like I could communicate this story about, you know, how the MK-7 worked, all that kind of stuff. I thought I could communicate it better via video. So that was my motivation. And also, um, what's happened to me from the pills and stuff has obviously affected how I look. But I am nowhere looking near like Prince Philip <laughs> when I decided to go off camera. So yeah, I went off camera for a very specific reason. But um, in the last... I can trace this back to three years, so I have a pretty good study period of how long it took. I know what my first symptoms were because I've looked back. Could I have changed anything? Well, no, I couldn't have, and I've thought about all that, so that's not my whole point for today. My point for today is I'm sharing this because if you have a smart box in your home or vicinity, we all have them, okay? Some of us are just getting more radiation than others, so I want to share my so that you will know what you're looking for so you don't go a couple of years down the road you know getting all these symptoms and stuff and not really know it's, it's a the whole lot trick it's a silent killer okay because um, all these things if you're not paying attention fortunately for me I tend to be a very focused person so all the other things that get fed into the air and stuff that I've observed <laughs> very distinctly I've been able to continue moving along even with one step put in the other kind of personality type so yeah so um here's what it's going to take me a while to get over there and write up the radiation thing in specific in relationship to smart boxes but what i'd like to share with you right now is that um in the meantime here's some things to consider okay and this is a plus too okay i always like to look at things where's the rosy side of this glass right well here's in the initial parts of writing up this, what I know from first hand, smart box radiation, (laughs) I believe that the more you circulate the air in your home by using your heater and stuff, likely the worse it might make it, okay? So here's the rosy side of this story. It gives you another opportunity to cut down on your electricity usage right now, okay? Because if you start to think you want to yank up the heat a lot more and you have children, How about you think about bundling them up a little bit better? Okay, we've gotten very, very, very—you know—I think the people who ignored the warning signs of big electricity bills this month are going to be very sorry when they get hit with that huge bill. So be proactive. Every twenty dollars you spend electricity bills, you could be buying some rice. So my suggestion is—it's my belief right now—and I'll be getting into this a lot more over my blog. Get their faces away from those devices. So that's all I'm going to say for right now. Okay, and I'd like to bring up two other nagging points because at each one of these intros for the last few shows, I've tried not to nag you with the same thing twice, okay? Got one more I want to hit you with. Get a dryer rack for your clothes. Stop using your dryer. We've gotten pretty used to those kinds of things. couple things. A dryer rack savings the very first month of not running your dryer in your home get used to managing for yourself actually dryers beat up your clothes and are more complicated so that dryer rack will pay for itself the first month okay and then you're not running around in a befuddle when you can't use your dryer you're all set you're you're ahead of the crowd right at that point get those long dog leashes get plenty of cat litter be able to bring your pets into your home what happens if there's a big noise outside and your pets flee? Do you really want to deal with that? Oh. To me, this is like I really don't want to deal with that, and I really don't want to deal with my toilet not flushiness <laughs> <laughs> So I'm kind of possessed to bug you one more time. Okay, do you really want to? Do you really want to not buy that ten dollar, you know, bunch of feets leashes that you can keep your pull your dog back in if you have to? You really oh. think you should save that ten dollars right now? I think. Think these things. What are you going to do if there's noise outside and you have cats that go in and out? Get cat litter. One last thing, and then I will honestly play the show (laughs) because the show I'm going to be playing is about. It's it's funny that not funny, haha. But Santa just happens to wear the same hat as the Pope. (laughs) I couldn't make this stuff up. But one last reminder. Now I have. If you've met a child or you know an old person, consider this. A good chest cold, all it needs is antibiotics to clear it up. Consider this. we're Problems, it's all made in China, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so I've been posting this this notice. You know, my favorite website that um, or YouTube channel called Epic Economist. There's more people like us that hang around there, so I've made it my mission that I post this whenever I see their show go live, okay? And I I just did a copy and paste of it. So here's what I've been posting, and I want you to pay attention to, okay? Most all of our meds are made in China. Both China and India are where the base products come from. One move from China, and people with life-saving medicine might have issues in the near future. All supplements are mainly from China. They have trick packaging on the words. What they do, if the supplement or drug manufacturer assembles the ingredients here, they get to put a USA label and flag, and to hide China, they say things like, from international suppliers. That means China or India. I got a supplement chemist on the phone from a huge supplement supplier, LOL. He had no idea why I was asking he said that it. He said that the number one question people have is if they come from China. Bingo! I said to myself, they know we will reject our supplements from there. So tricky, tricky wording happens. <clears throat> Soon, all medicine and supplements will be impossible to get or off the chain expensive. And this is and somebody in the group. This is why I like that group. Um, somebody in the group added some details, so I added it to my little cut and paste, so this is important to know. Um, Also, I I added up here earlier that I forgot that. You can also, and this is not medical advice from me to you, you can also right now get those fish, I think I cut and paste part of this off there, you can also get fish mocks. fish, F-I-S-H, mocks M-O-X, okay? Look that up online. As of fish marks will be only by prescription they sell the exact same antibiotics for fish as they do for people um, and um, also most us I'm injecting this because I think when I cut and pastes <laughs> I left this part out yeah. whoops um, I used to buy um, antibiotics for my dog in Mexico because she needed antibiotics but anyway, so um, it was really cheap the U.S. patent. So another place to look for antibiotics is look in Mexico. Okay, so then this person added this piece, which was interesting. So anyway, so I've been posting this. A lot of fish people are saying, hey, thanks for posting this. I got to get more for my fish. And other people are saying, hey, thanks. I'm going to get more for my kids. So I'm verbally telling you one last time, please hear what I'm saying here. Okay, so this person added this part about rats. Okay. And he said, um, antibiotics for rats are the same as human ones too. They are just extremely smaller dosage, so if you have a rat, doxycycline and a human needs around 200 milligrams, and a rat dosage is 5 to 10 milligrams, you will need a lot of them. However, since no one really thinks about people having pet rats, they have an over-the-counter medicine. Also, if you have pet rats and get doxycycline for yourself, So one capsule of this is we'll take a rat through the whole course, okay? You just need to break it open and separate the powder into 20 separate tiny doses. I know because I saved my pet rats with one of mine once. Not medical advice either. So see, that's how we all work together, kids, right? So yeah, rat medicine is another thing. Um, and I think that's really all I have to say at this point. I'm going to get rolling with this show. So this show should be interesting, hopefully, to you as far as... Um, Santa and the hat business it starts to get pretty obvious at some point, but I'm going to close off here for now. So be safe out there. Good night for now. And I think the show will roll right at this second here. As soon as I figure out how to close off this file. Hi, well, hello there. Welcome to 2023 or whatever year this is. I'm pretty sure we don't have a clue <laughs> what year we're in, <laughs> what time. I mean, there's a reason why we have all these country zones, time zones, different languages kind of mix things up a little bit, right? Okay, welcome to the show. Pull up a chair. I'm going to be talking about a couple things today. First, my plans for 2023. I have always been doing a lot longer shows because I want to keep things into one file. But after the last several months, I have um, some things to concern myself with. So what I'm going to be doing is there's a lot in these shows that I need to revisit and repack. So what I'm going to be doing is pulling my handy dandy microphone up to my face and break these things apart because there's a whole lot in the last couple shows that I did. Then I also think there's a lot of cut and pasting going on here because, for example, the one person in this mythical thing that has a one eye, well, is this the person that look up celebrities giving the one eye salute? Celebrities one eye, and you'll find all these celebrities covering one eye in some way, okay? I believe they're giving homage to who their leader is and for a long time I thought maybe it was that eye of Horace and all that. That eye is also on the US dollar bill. It's a pretty big deal, but anyway, so I I I have all these files on these different things I'm going to be reviewing to put into context here because that eye is very very important. Um, And also for example, I've talked a lot about these snakes, you know, snakes, (laughs) cold-blooded animals. People kind of remind me of snakes, right? Well, there's a lot to this whole snake deal because why are there snakes on the logos of medical people? Well, come to find out, the United States has something to do with why there's two snakes instead of one. And I think you'd get my drift here. There's just a lot that I want to continue exploring. So what I, my plan is to not try to roll them into one big show because things are changing around here for me. So I'm trying to line up what I'll be doing for this year. So I'll be taking a closer look at some of these questions. And what better example like this show I'm doing today about this Pope and the hat. <laughs> I don't know how these things get started because I was just... Um, well, you know, what's the one that just died? Benedict, right? Pope B, I call him. So Benedict just died. I think he probably did, is really dead because they got him laying in state there, right? The bomb and stuff. But anyway, so I looked at for a picture because well, I love pictures, and um, I thought, well, why is he wearing a red gown? <laughs> Some days it's like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> Because in the last show about Santa, I mentioned this fish thing, and this hat, and the hat, (laughs) they wear a hat that's shaped like a fish, okay? And so, (laughs) and they wear this hat at specific times. And then they also wear another hat, which looks to me, surprisingly, like a yarmulke, which is really the symbol for Saturn. So when I saw that, that Pope B laying there in that red robe, I thought, <laughs> I was going to talk to you about the hat, but it got much deeper because I thought, okay, so he's getting buried in that hat. And that hat can only be worn at specific times. So, But then I started thinking, well, why is he wearing a red robe? <laughs> Interesting story. <laughs> so anyway, so um, I'm going to be talking today about, um, I pulled together, I had three different things I was going to talk about. One is... Um, their hats, <laughs> the hats they wear on their heads, which turned out to be pretty significant. <laughs> How do they bury them, and what in the heck does it all mean? Because um, I don't know. It, it, it just seems it all starts to add up. So let's let's shoot some fish in a barrel today, okay? So then I had a question: Do they wear the hat when they're dead? Well, yes, they wear that hat. The big, big, tall big tall hat, what you're looking for kids, it's called a mitre hat, m i t r e hat, right? That's your clue. Okay. And when it's turned to the side, it indeed looks like a fish, <laughs> and its mouth open. Okay, so. Um, and then I was also curious, why are they wearing red? Well, a couple reasons. One is that Saturn, <laughs> according to NASA, is red red red? Saturn is red, okay. <laughs> and I get it gets even better, okay. So they say that Saturn is red, and you can go to the NASA website, just type in Saturn is red, and you will find what they say is Saturn. Now, you must remember that these are all com- computer generated graphics, so they are claiming that Saturn is red. I'm not agreeing that Saturn is red, I don't know what color Saturn is, okay. So then there was another answer that I came up with about why the red, right? And They said it's because it is associated with the Feasts of the Apostles, according to this um, Anthony Sherman, Associate Director of the U.S. Bishops. I figured they might know what they're talking about. And the Pope is the first among the Apostles. Okay, so red is associated with the Feasts of the Apostles and Popes are the first among the apostles the use of red in this instance is reserved for the pope sherman said and it is not to be used outside of that so then i was looking at well that sounds interesting right so um feature of apostles okay so um and the pope is an apostle so the pictures start to pull together right so then i went looking at some other dead popes (laughs) I even found a pope that they excavated, and yes, they're all wearing that hat. Now, the excavated pope—I'm pope, not really sure he's wearing red because it's black and white. But let me continue on here, okay? So I found this image of Pope John, Pope John, after his death in 1963, dressed in red vestments for burial—an ancient Visiting custom. Red is a color of mourning for deceased popes. Keep that straight, don't show up in your black dress, show up in a red vest. I guess it means indeed the origin of red vestments for papal very likely stems from ancient Eastern funeral practice, with red customarily used at funerals, and it was used preserved within papal Rome. Red is also associated with the Apostles and the Feast of the Blessed Apostles, Peter and Paul, and the Roman Pontiff being the first of the Apostles. Okay, so get this straight, okay. Peter and Paul with the Roman Pontiff were the first Apostles, okay. While some popes have been buried in a white mitre, the mitre is that big fish head, okay. Because I've also looked, everything means something to these people. Okay, so the color of their robe, what hats they're wearing, all this kind of stuff. Right. While some popes have been buried in a white mitre, the historical tradition has been for popes to be buried in the Osperian mitre, It's some other mitre <laughs> division of this hat. This is why. This is why I'm also going to be re looking at a lot of things that we need to explore further because uh, like, for example, all this stuff with Babylon and the one-eyed person, I, I think they're pasting all these things into one thing. I think a lot of this is a cut cut and paste operation. So, um, well, it's not in that kind of miter. that And that one is made with brilliant gold cloth and a band of gold trim for the border. So that hat looks different, okay? Um, Bishops, wait a second here. Bishops wear the same gold cloth mitre on many occasions, including less solemn functions, for example during Advent and Lent. So this gold hat gets worn, gold mitre hat gets worn at other times. Now let me scroll up and see. Pope John, look at his hat. He's laying there in a red robe. Yeah, he's got the big gold hat. Okay, they love that shiny gold stuff, right? Okay. Okay. Um PS twelve, I don't know who that is, it's it's some religious leader. P I U S twelve was also the first deceased pope not laid out in the Blessed Sacrament Chapel of St. Peter's. Instead, for the first time, his briar was placed in front of the main altar of St. Peter's to accommodate the massive crowd. Okay, well, big deal, like. I know Billy. Here's the thing, just like when that queen died, anybody, anybody yell out anything? Two people? Anybody gonna yell out of these rapists and pedophiles? <laughs> okay, so I have this picture of this P.S. person. Okay, this is P.S. nine, I guess. Okay, they exhumed this person in 1956. It was buried holding a crucifix, as was the other P.S.s. Images abound of recent pope buried in red. This person is also buried in red. The last pope to be buried was Paul John Paul II in 2005, in red vestments, a white mitre hat, and instead of holding a crucifix, a rosary was placed in his hands. So, I don't know. Yeah, pretty big on the symbolism there, right? Okay, so. Got a few buried ones, okay. Um, and I looked at one, I found a picture of Pope Benedict somebody lying in state in 1925. Here again, I can't tell if it's a red robe because it's black and white, but got that big, big hat. The mitre, M-I-T-R-E hat. Easy to find. Um, okay. Who is this? Um, um the passing of a pontiff of Rome Robed in full pontif- pontificals, the stole, the dalmatic, the gloves, the palladium, the ring, and the gold miter, the body of Pope Benedict, the occupant, yeah, they have it's interesting stuff to look and see where all the patterns here, right? Because I swear this Pope lying there in his red Outfit and the white miter hat. <laughs> I did a double tick. I thought that looks just like Santa Claus. <laughs> so yeah, you'll find these dead popes around. Um, and like I said, they're they're lying there. They almost look like you know what that hat almost looks like to me? It looks like the hat the Ku Klux Klan used to wear. Um, that big tall hat the Klan members wore. Well, these people are the Klan, right? So, anyway, so I had they also I really got going was that Santa wears that hat, right? And I talked about the Santa hat just briefly before, so I have a list of a few hats here. (laughs) The Santa hat is inspired by the Pelias hat. That's a P-I-L-E-U-S hat those early dudes were wearing. Thousands of people refer to the red hat as the Santa hat. However, this style was first known as a Pelias hat. The Peleus hat was popular in ancient Greece, Pannonia, Etruria, and other nearby regions and looks similar to the modern day Santa hat. <laughs> it is a remless hat that people usually make from felt. And we got that picture because that person I was talking about on the last show, Thomas Nash, he's the one who gave us the image of uh, Santa in our advertising. You know, you have to look at the United States. We are nothing but one big, um, well, perceived drama. We are nothing but a um, advertising plan for whatever they're up to, right? Um, So this Thomas Nash, he drew the first Santa Claus wearing a Peleus hat in 1863, okay? One of the first modern drawings of Santa Claus dates back to 1863. Well, there have been many depictions of the fictitious man. This was a unique illustration. Thomas Nash's visual representation of Santa in 1863 inspired many modern depictions of Santa's costume. And we know that this Thomas Nash person was not just plucked out of the air, okay? Um, and then Coca-Cola popularized the red Santa hat. Many people believe that the Coca-Cola company invented Santa Claus. Even though this is not true, it is fair to say that the company played a significant role in the modern-day costume we see Santa wearing today. Coca-Cola followed in Thomas Nast's footsteps, drawing inspiration from his depiction of Santa, who illustrated and consequently popularized the red Santa hat we see today. And the Pope sometimes wears a Santa hat. The P-List became popular in Italy during the Renaissance, where they were, where they were made from black or red velvet. These hats inspired the camerone. This is another hat. It's called the C A M, A U R O camero, and it is still worn today in the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. It doesn't have the tail on the hat, but look for a camaro, C-A-M-A-U-R-O, okay? Looks very much like the Santa cap, the white fuzz around the head. And also, interestingly enough, in my world of digging up trivia, <laughs> in parts of Europe, Santa, you know, that goes around visiting the kids and stuff, still wears a miter hat. The Santa we know today originated in Europe as St. Nicholas, a Greek bishop known for his strong defense of Christianity in 3000 A.D. Known for performing miracles, he became the patron saint of children and a magical gift giver. In countries like the Netherlands and Austria, the traditional image of St. Nicholas can be seen with the mitre hat. So, um... Then I had this other image of that Pope John dude, and it's the copy said that after his death in 1963, dressed in red vestments for bur- burial, an ancient Byzantine custom, red is the color of mourning for deceased Popes. Um, red, I did the feast thing, okay. Um, so I think you're going to see people, I'm guessing here, okay? I have not, I don't have a degree in hats at this stage. <laughs> I think they used to be buried in white hats, and they wear white hats during certain things, okay? Those miter hats. You can't miss that hat, okay? <laughs> okay, um, so the tradition is they're buried in gold hats, okay? Um, They had this picture of this guy in 1958, um, oh yeah, um, they have this thing called La Falda. Falda means skirt in Spanish, I believe, La Falda. It's a white, watering silk, white, watering silk train attached to the back of the popol Deal. Yeah, there's a lot about these costumes and I don't want to, I, you know, there's a lot to it. So why they do these things, I don't really know, because they're all about the symbols. They're all about the magic. Um, Okay. Then I found this other picture of this Pius person, P-I-U-S-9. And that was the one that they exhumed in 1956, holding the crucifix. The last Pope to be buried was Pope John II in 2005 in Red vestments, White Mitre. I think they're, I think they're rocking the gold mitre these days, but I'm a little bit confused here. But you, I think you hopefully get my picture here. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you, you, when you look at an image, you think, Hey, is that Santa Claus? Look again, it's the Pope. <laughs> okay. Now let's get to the part about they're buried in three, of course, three different coffins, right? Oh boy. Um. <laughs> okay. The Pope is entombed in three different coffins. A rite, which is commonly referred to as the Ritual of Three Coffins. He is first placed in a cypress wood coffin. That casket is then placed in a second one, a lead coffin, which has his years of reign engraved on it. Then that casket is placed in a third casket, which is an ELM coffin. So the Pope actually gets buried in three caskets. Before they are sealed, the bishop who is in charge of the Pope's official proclamations reads a list of achievements of the Pope. And then the parchment that lists the achievements is rolled into a copper tube and placed inside the casket. Along with the copper tube, three velvet bags contain the copper, silver, and gold coins minted from each year of the pontification are placed in the casket. When each casket is closed, it is wrapped with two cords of violet, 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 not violet. It's kind of funny. Violet, the color, V-O-L-E-T, is a part of violet, right? Anyway, so um, two cores of violet, the color purple, silk, and sealed in wax with a coat of arms. Yeah, um, so each of these caskets carries its own significance and symbolism. A cypress coffin. um, A copy of the program... A copy of the program from the Pope's funeral mass is placed in the innermost coffin made of cypress, as are bags of silver, gold, and copper coins. The number of coins in each bag equals the number of years of the papacy. The simple wooden coffin made of cypress signifies that he is an ordinary human being like everyone else and buried like a common man. The coffin is sealed and wrapped with three silk ribbons before being placed in a lead casket. The lead coffin. The lead coffin, which is soldered shut, is engraved with the Pope's name and dates of his papacy, as well as a skull and crossbones. Well, what What is that about um skull and crossbone. Okay. I'll take a, look, a little closer look at that part. Um, the lead coffin is more durable. The Pope's name and the years of his pontification are engraved on it. Important documents he issued under his seal are also placed in the coffin. The lead coffin will in turn be placed in an elm coffin and interred under a marble slab. Okay. The elm coffin. Finally, the lead casket is placed in an elm coffin, which is nailed and shut with golden nails. The elm coffin is meant to indicate the Pope's great dignity, since elm is a rare and most precious of local woods, woods available in Rome. Wow, something else, huh? Okay, now... Another curious thing that I found interesting, because supposedly when Queen Elizabeth was buried, I read that, um, she was buried in a lead coffin. Um, I'm not saying that I, I think that was true or not, I really don't know. But um, So um, there was a case that I found which was, well, I found it kind of funny, but <laughs> the title was, Pope John VI also had a pretty disastrous funeral. Pope John VI's remains were only lightly embalmed after his 1978 death, according to the Los Angeles Times. While that seemed to have worked out decently enough for one of Paul's successors, John Paul II, the reality of the 1978 funeral was quite a bit more gruesome. Part of the issue may have been with not only the manner in which the deceased pontiff's body was treated, but with the environmental conditions in the midst of what seems to have been a hot and humid summer. The combined effects of the lack of embalming and the summer weather were unfortunate for Paul VI and his mourners, to say the least. Reportedly, a number of fans were installed around the Pope's remains as they lay in state inside St. Peter's Basilica. It was done in order to somehow direct, redirect the stench during the public viewing. Meanwhile, the Washington Post reported that though then First Lady Rosalind Carter spoke glowingly of the Pontiff's spiritual life, some couldn't help but notice that the Pope's body had turned an alarming. His body had returned in a al- returned an alarming green-gray color. The Vatican declined to say just what had or not been done to Paul Paul the Sixth remains in the immediate aftermath of his death. But it was clear there hadn't. it was clear that it hadn't been enough to stand up to the rigors of a summertime memorial. Okay. So yeah. So um. There's a lot to all these rituals. What I find very significant here is, um, okay. and then I found this other article called The Hidden Meaning Behind the Pope's Clothes. And that was from March of 2022. To the 1.2 billion Catholics in the world, the Pope is the supreme pontiff. The Bishop of Rome and the head of the Catholic Church. But it's also important to remember that the Pope is also the head of state for a sovereign territory, the Vatican City State. The Pope controlled a significant amount of territory in Italy for more than a thousand years and had significant influence over other nations and empires. In other words, for a big portion of history, the Pope was pretty much an autocrat ruling an empire and he still dresses the part. Every royal house in history is drenched in symbolism. From colors to clothing, only the monarch is permitted to wear to clothing used to convey specific messages, and the pope is no different. In fact, everything you see the pope wearing has a specific symbolic meaning. There are no accidents when the pope makes a public appearance. From his hat to his shoes, it also means something. So, and he gets all his clothes from a small shop in Rome that has served the papacy since 1798. Okay. One piece of clothing I obviously looked at. Oh, geez. It was a miter hat. Um, One of the most recognizable pieces of clothing the Pope wears is a miter hat the peaked crown-like hat trimmed in gold. According to this one person, only men holding the rank of bishop or higher can wear the mitre, though it's most commonly associated with the Pope. It evolved from the more crowned-like papal tiara, because they have this, I'm going to be going through the different hats here, I think. Anyway, they have this papal tiara. Really, you see beauty pageants wearing tiaras, right? and dates back to at least the 11th century, but some Catholic scholars believe it can be traced back to the Apostle Peter, the first pope. The mitre is essentially the symbol of the pope's authority, making him as the preeminent bishop of the Catholic Church. There are three versions of the mitre. The simplex is plain white and is worn at solemn occasions such as funerals. There's another one called the fear got is decorated with gold and is worn during occasions and I had this other one that's worn on festival days according to Catholic answers type look to see what they said about the mitre symbolism is complex um, yeah I don't know I, I don't know what the mitre the fish all that stuff has to do but it is a certainly a very and the mitre hat also goes up into a triangle, right? So he's, he's kind of it kind of looks like he's wearing that triangle they love so much on the top of his head, if you ask me. Okay. And briefly, um, because I don't know anything about these people, right? So I looked at, they, they're always wearing those stoles, those capes, right? Um, all Catholic priests will be seen wearing a stole which is a strip of fabric anywhere from 2 to 4 inches wide and about 8 feet long. Stoles are embroidered with Christian symbols, most notably the cross, and can be worn with the ends crossed or left to hang vertically. They can be of different colors that conform with the color code, but the Pope's stole is typically white and its symbolism is deep. It is often considered a symbol of immortality and is also a symbol of the restraints used on Jesus as he was led to his execution and thus a symbol of the sacrifice and duty that all priests take on. Similar to the stole is the pallium, p-a-l-l-i-u-m, a sort of collared sash made of lamb's wool with vertical stripes hanging in the front and back. And according to the Britannica, the pallium evolved from an ancient Greek article of clothing and came to be a special scarf worn by figure, figures of authority as a badge of office. The Pope confers a pallium onto bishops and archbishops as a symbol of their unity with him. But bishops can only wear it within their provinces, while the Pope can wear it anywhere. The lamb's wool is a symbol of the Pope as a shepherd to his flock. And then there was one other I looked at, and um, it's this thing called the cassock. C a s s o c k. Now, the Pope is obviously wearing a lot more clothes than these things I'm talking about today. <laughs> Hopefully... I will inspire you to dig a little deeper because I didn't know. I saw that always seemed to be wearing capes and hats and stuff. I'm just going from the ignorance of somebody who's never studied religion. I always see them wearing caps and specific hats and specific colors. As a matter of fact, the color purple, how do you get the color purple? I used to work in design and marketing. Color of purple comes from the combination of red and black, right? So that just occurred to me because purple is a really big color to them. So that takes a red and black and makes the purple. Okay. Unless I've got my art design screwed up my head because I'm so old now, but I still think red and black make purple, but you'll have to check me on that one. But anyway, so um, now here is where I was really going to with this, okay? Because I talked about in the last show that beanie cap on his head. Beanie cap being like the signal of Saturn, that round thing on the head. And, um, it's also, I used to think it was a yarmulke, but I don't really know if I have all these words for So let me read what I have here. It's called a, make sure I got the right hat. Yeah, okay. <coughs> this is why I'm going to be going back and reviewing a lot of this Santa stuff, because uh, I'm pretty sure I can figure out who their grand leader is, okay? I just need to figure out where the cut and paste is and all this, okay? <coughs> so... The Zucchetto hat, okay? Z U C H E T T O is their color coding Frank, okay? You might call it a skull cap or a beanie, but the round cap worn by the Pope and other Catholic priests is technically called a Zucchetto. The Zucchetto evolved from a common form of brimless hat worn by the Romans and has been part of a standard clergy uniform since the 1200s. The zucchetto's practical function is to protect both the Pope's head and his hats. The Zucchetto is worn under the mitre to protect it, and it's also designed to protect priests who have had their hair cut in a tonsure. That's a hairstyle that shaves the center of the head as a sign of piety. I think they shave the center of the head because of Saturn thing, but anyway, as such, when worn by the Pope, it is both a unifying symbol showing him dressed similarly to his priest, as well as a sign of his humility. So this succeedto is also color-coded, okay, to denote ranks within the white Catholic Church. Because I've always seen the Pope, he always wears the white sucetto, okay. Cardinals wear scarlet. Bishops were a color of amaranth, which is a sort of pinkish red, and lesser priests were priests black. It is a tradition that if you offer the Pope your own zucchetto, he will trade you his, making this a popular keepsake for those who are lucky enough to gain an audience with the Bishop of Rome. <laughs> because their, their giveaway program, <laughs> bring your own zucchetto, and get to cash in for another one. Either. I don't know. Okay. Um, and then there's this other thing, which I'm not all that engaged in, it's called the um, mozzetta. M- oh, I scrolled over the Mozzetta. A mozzetta is a curious piece of the Pope's traditional uniform. It's essentially a short cape, elbow length, and is usually worn along with a stole of some sort. So yeah, I, it's it's too complicated for me right now. But anyway, let me get to the part where I'm really going here. with Everybody, a few years ago, just kept talking about Benedict wearing red slope, red shoes under his robe. He used to wear very expensive red slippers, okay. And generally, what I would hear from people on social media was that he wore those red slippers because of children's blood. So let me give you what I found is sort of more of an official explanation, okay? If you've seen a pope in public at some point, you may have seen the papal shoes, made of bright red leather. Um, according to this belief net, the red shoes are a holdover from ancient times when red was the most expensive and rarest dye for garments. At one point, only kings and emperors and popes who were essentially on the same level of power as monarchs back in the day, were allowed to wear red. In fact, popes used to to dress in all red as a symbol of their power. According to Yahoo News, that changed in the 16th century when Pope Pius V changed the papal vestments from red to white. But the shoes, along with some of the pope's capes and caps, remained red, as remnants of the old days. The the Washington Post um, said the popes continued to wear the red shoes until Pope John II ascended to the post in 1978. As a sign of humility, John Paul II wore simple brown shoes instead of the flashy red shoes. Okay, in 2005, Benedict revived the red leather shoes and stirred up some controversy as a result. People wondered if the new pope wasn't a bit too flashy himself. Rumors that his shoes were made by the very non-humble brand Prada began to circulate. When Francis took over in 2013, he once again ditched the red shoes, appearing in public with simple black shoes. So that's why they supposedly wear red shoes. Um, people said they made them out of the skin of children. I, mean, I don't know if any of this stuff is true, okay? I'm just telling you what their customs say, okay? Where, where people on the internet pick this up and take it for a spin, I, I can't even tell you, okay? I prefer to focus my time on what I can verify and logically put together, right? Okay. And then there was this other thing called the Pope's crown, called the Trigium. Okay, if you need any evidence that the Pope was once as much a secular monarch as a spiritual leader, look no further than the Trigium. It's T-R-I-R-E-G-N-U-M, otherwise known as the Papal Tiara, T-I-R-A-A. The, I'll just call it the tiara. The tiara is literally a crown with three tiers, and its history dates back to the 9th century, with the second tier added in the late 13th century, and the third tier in the 14th century. This author, Marco Politi, in his book Pope Francis Among the Wolves, said that uh, Pteridium represented papal supremacy over all other kings and rulers. As noted by the Washington Popes, Popes, were presented with the, what did I call it? I was calling it, not the ring, but the, um, oh, the tiara. Um, the tiara when he installed the Pope. Okay, wait, back here, a second. The Washington Pope said, Popes were presented with the tiara, or the tiara, after coronations until 1978, when Pope John I declined to wear it. CNN explained that although pope, the, pope Paul VI wore the tiara when he was installed as pope a few years later, he offered the tiara up for sale to benefit charity as part of an effort. Well, I don't know how. So yeah, they were wearing the tiara around, and then they wanted to sell it for charity. I've always been amazed that nobody seems to be too. Uh, I don't know all that wealth and everything, and all the poor countries. Anyway, so. According to the Ultimate History Project, since 1978, popes have worn the mitre instead of the tiara, but the Vatican still has several tiaras, and there's no actual rule stating that a pope can't wear it if he wanted to. And then they had a very interesting hat. Very, very interesting hat. It's called, I talked about it earlier, but this has a different description of it the Camaro, C A M A U R O. They call it a symbol of the old ways. If you've ever seen the Pope out and about and thought for a minute you were looking at Santa Claus, you probably saw him wearing a camuero. They noted that it looks just like Santa's hat, just without the white pom-pom on top. And only the Pope is allowed to wear it. Now, it's pretty interesting, right? Santa and the Pope can only wear this hat. According to Catholic Doors Ministry, the Camaro is similar to the cap worn by academics in the Middle Ages. Initially, the Camaro didn't have much symbolic meaning. So this author explains in his book What's the Smoke For? He said to keep the Pope's head warm when he was saying Mass in the winter time. Back in the Middle Ages, after all, Heating technology wasn't so great, and those old churches could get mighty drafty. The reason the Camaro is bright red is that red was once the papal color, symbolizing power. Pope John, let me see, the 13th was the last pope to wear the Camaro until Pope Benedict appeared in public wearing it again. (laughs) Uh, this, This Father James Martin in the New York Times about the Camaro's reappearance, along with several other old-school papal vestments, was taken by many to be a signal from Benedict of a return to a more conservative and traditional approach to the papacy. So this Camaro keeps coming and going. And drum roll, please. <laughs> we have the hat of all hats. <laughs> They actually wear a hat called the Saturno. S A T U R N O. It is a Capello Romano Roman hat or Saturno or Saturii because the appearance is reminiscent of the ringed planet Saturn. It is a prelate's hat. It, it's a hat, <laughs> it's just a round hat. Okay, it's a round hat, and if you curved up the side, you'd have a cowboy hat, right? And it is called a Saturno. Okay, um, I don't know. So um, Benedict really started a lot of stuff, didn't he? Benedict was spotted wearing a Saturno, also called a Capello Romano, a wide-brimmed hat that looks suspiciously like a sombrero. Uh, Benedict's decision to wear some out-of-fashion papal clothes like the Camero was sometimes interpreted as a sign he was planning to get back to more traditional approach for the church. While any clergy can wear a Saturno, only the Pope can wear a red Saturno with gold cords, according to Catholic doors ministry. So only the Pope can wear the red Saturno hat with the gold cords. Well, 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 okay. So, um, Catholic Catholic News Lives noted that there's probably a much simpler and more practical reason why the Pope would worry Saturno. Its wide brim keeps the sun off his head and rain off his neck. I don't know, (laughs) I don't think I know why they're wearing that Saturno hat, but anyway, so, um. Let me close up with this thing. I think this is the end here. Um, um, this was about the Christmas and the red thing. Color-coded charity. I also will have them down the road as far as how they do their charities, which <laughs> I'm pretty hard to stun, but I'm pretty stunned about how they're doing these charities. <laughs> I'll have to get back to that later. Okay. It's called this thing called the Chazable. C-H-A-S-U-B-L-A is a common vestment worn by Catholic clergy. It's the outmost garment worn by priests at mass. It was once worn by both lay people and the clergy but by the 6th century it had evolved into something only worn by this okay. Um. There's only one thing that I thought was important here. I think I pretty much covered it all. Um, oh, because I'll be getting back this whole I'll be guys, I'll be getting back to more of this other stuff later okay but there's this whole thing between um, Santa um, Easter all this stuff will, will will make more sense down the road here, okay but Christmas Christmas and other solemnities and feasts and red are worn on Palm Sunday Good Friday and Pentecost Sunday there are also black and gold chasubles for certain occasions. So the, the colors they wear, red, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and that Sunday. So I think we can pretty well conclude that red is their color. According to author James Monty in his book, A Sense of the Sacred, the chasuble is considered to be s- symbolic of charity. The idea that since charity is the greatest of all virtues, the outermost vestment worn by the priest should be representative of them. Just hold on to that thought when I get back and, I don't know, and explain how these sureties really run. So, okay, um, there's this other thing that I'm not that engaged in, but I'll give you the name of it. It's called the Fanon, F-A-N-O-N, and it's some, it's just, it's some sort of cape-like thing. Um, and I I don't know there's just a lot to this fashion and this Pope thing but I'm going to go ahead and close up here I'm going to be back I'm going to be doing shorter shows I'm still going to be around Um, I need to explore a lot of these other things that I'll be sharing with you and what was I going to say oh you know I will have um, I I lost my $10 speaker I had to get a new one will be here tomorrow but anyways People seem to be concerned about my audio quality, and just because people pop in and out of these shows, you may not know why I'm even here, okay? I'm here sharing my work, okay? I have no aspirations to be a social media person, so let's put that on the table to begin with, okay? What's going on now is that, um, and this will be news, this will be good news to people who are annoyed by my lack of audio quality and stuff. I'd like to give you a good news segment here. As of the last few months, and I mean literally the last few months, Podcasts are now being able to be monetized. Not for me, but for them. So, anyway, so what's going to happen is that now I'm getting all these emails like, oh, come over to YouTube with your podcast and we'll do it all for you. Well, they figured out how to monetize podcasts. How long have we been doing podcasts? Years and years and years. Because they needed to figure out a way to track the IP addresses, okay? And they don't really track it. All I can see are your country and general region area, okay? But they figured this all out so now what's going to be happening is there's going to be even bigger push to get every podcast onto youtube i am essentially going in the opposite direction okay i'm doing my best to tell you what i know about my work as i'm going along i have no desire to be part of that whole thing i deleted my twitter account i deleted all those things i'm not that interested okay i have work to do so the person said something and i actually found it kind of hysterical and that's what i'm going to be leading into here. Well, most of social media is run by agents, okay? They have excellent audio. They have excellent visuals. Rumble is now expanding and inviting all these people over their platform. They are spending the money on the software, the technology, all of that. i never made any money on YouTube. Nobody would ever pay me. So all I'm saying is that put things into perspective, okay? You're looking at a show like mine. I have a 3.9 rating, okay? Most of the reviews, people are saying that I'm crazy. I'm some sort of nutcase or something, right? So lower your expectations. (laughs) You're looking at a show that has a 3.9 rating. I'm an old woman. I'm trying to share my research. And if the audio bugs you that much, I am really sorry, but I'm here to tell you that they're really expanding the push for social media. You will go everywhere you can right now and find people with wonderful audio. They'll have all those things. They edit their shows. The majority of them are reading off of scripts. Okay. What they have done is they've taken the whole idea of mainstream media, and now they're people wearing their jeans with microphones on social media. Where do you think they get these people from? Well, what I'm going to be covering next is this. There's a core group of them, okay, there's a core group of them. And they all play different roles, and they all relate to royal royalty, okay? Are they really royalty? No, the royalty is their title, and it expands out from there. What I'm trying to say is this world is one big stage act that we're living in. How we find the walls of our, I don't really know. And I'm trying to explore, how did we get here? How did we let them rule us the way that we have? There's a lot of big questions here. So if you're, if your choice is to focus on the audio, then that is your choice. Okay. I am doing my level best to try to communicate what I'm uncovering. I find it very interesting, but you don't have to find it interesting. You don't have to find it anything. Okay. Just, just aware we're here in this position because we got buffaloed by these people okay we accepted their lies. we let them rule us they, they 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 took over everything and we all collectively collectively me you all of us look the other way right all of us look the other way otherwise we would not have gotten here in this particular time and somebody once said to me well, he said why don't i tell people what to do why would i want to tell you what to do don't you have a brain we all came here with the same equipment, right? I have I have done more work about vaccines and sharing than I have done that I've seen anybody on social media do. But yet people will say things I've never I've never once said you should or shouldn't take a vaccine. I am here sharing my work, so we hopefully would come to some sort of agreement that yeah, we all pretty much let down our guard and we are completely run by psychopaths <laughs> So we can use this as an opportunity to gather together in some sort of solidarity, or we can just focus on the little stuff, okay? And I think what I'd like to say in closing is that I enjoy sharing my work very much. So don't take anything out of this, okay? There's a lot going around here that I will maybe someday address that I'm not ready to address right now, okay? So I think that learning how we got here, to me, is important. So I really appreciate all the people that have joined me on this wild ride, and I'm really grateful that I've recorded because I don't know if somebody said explain this in the next hour. I don't. I really don't know what I would have to say, <laughs> and I, I'm just starting to get warmed up. Right? Um, I don't have any real conclusions. So if you'd like to join me, I'll be showing up as often as I can, and I'm going to be doing it in more modified, smaller segments, which someday you'll you'll understand why. And that's enough for now, so be safe out there and goodbye for now.